You're listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 1125 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. This season, our leaders wanted to explore what's so special about Jesus. How is Jesus different from Buddha or the U.S. economy or our bellies or any other gods that we might um, have the option of following? What's so special about Jesus? And in learning, I think the cool opportunity in talking about what's so special about Jesus, we get to learn, we get to explore what's so special about us as a circle of hope. Because I think we're trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to be in Christ and Christ in us. So this week, I want to try and describe the unique way that Jesus inverted power. He talked about power and he demonstrated power in such an upside down kind of way. It was always surprising, and I think it still is. He started out doing it in this pregnant minority teenager, and then we see him going through life uh, largely without resources, like being constrained and restrained in the desert, and then mostly homeless, and then you know, his crowning achievement being his death. It's, a, it's an upside-down expression of power. So I love how the daily, one of our daily prayer was quoting Paul telling the early church today, your attitude should be the same as Christ's, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be had, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. So that's what we're going to get into today. And I like how Beyonce gave us a little power inversion this week. Um, When she announced her pregnancy with with this picture, I have three hearts, she got the most likes ever on Instagram. And her popularity doubled even, so she's announcing her pregnancy with twins, and uh, it was even bigger than the President of the United States. She's that line in blue and Donald Trump's popularity is there in green. Um, What a world. I can't help but love that a pregnant black woman did that in one day. Never mind that she's in her underwear and that she's an entertainer. I'm just gonna suspend my sadness about that for a moment and celebrate the fact that it was a pregnant black woman who broke the internet and not another uh, man of political power. I think the trouble with today is that almost everybody feels a little bit powerless. They feel more powerless than they want to be. I think even us, um, unconsciously or consciously, we're dom- we, we can feel dominated by these big unseen forces that we can't control. And they limit our choices, and we don't like that. It's a bad feeling that gives some people even like chronic depression and anxiety. And yesterday, I could see my kids kind of dealing with it in their own, like facing it already in their own adolescent way. My son, Zach, was waiting for an answer from the school district of Philadelphia about which high schools he was going to get into. And all the kids are waiting. And the server, the school district server was down for the first two days. And they only have like five days to respond or the district will throw you wherever they want you to go. 
And so Zach was getting worried that he wasn't going to have any time to make a choice. And then Corey, I was, I was driving her around to different places because she was selling ads for her school um, like concert thing. And all of the corporate places that I took her and her friends to said no to these cute little girls. They just blatantly said no because the, the employees who work for these corporations don't have any power to say yes either. They don't make the decisions with the money. Jesus, is, Jesus was born into a world like that. I think Jesus can really relate to that feeling of powerlessness. He knows about the lack of power. And we've had like another week of watching power slip away from the average guy um, under Trump, and especially the most vulnerable. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what it was like in Jesus's time with his contemporaries. The Roman Empire that Jesus was born into um, was expanding rapidly, and it was stressing out the whole region, especially people, smaller sects of people like the Jews who kind of got sucked into it. And the empire was taxing all these, um, all these little guys like the Jews who just kind of got dominated and rolled in. And, and so with these extra taxes, there were these good things like this expanded economy, higher standard of living, new wealthy class. But it also brought all this political corruption and like social unrest and people feeling displaced. Like the, I think you can kind of see that in Mary and Joseph's journey when they have to like go a long way to get, to get counted in the census. People are, were feeling kind of turned over like that all over the empire. This loss of belonging to this like natural and continuing community. The Roman appetite for expansion created all this instability. And, and eventually, the military started running everything. But at the time Jesus was born, uh, Caesar Augustus was in charge. And he was trying to bring peace and stability. And he did that with this thing called Pax Romana, Roman peace. But it was really like Roman peace by major brutal force and coercion. Um, it was, you know, if a Jewish person didn't pay their taxes, that horrible things could happen, like their children might get taken. Um, the Jews were considered weirdos in this context. They, their religion was like outdated and, um, you know, compared to all these new things that the Romans were doing and this, the, all this Hellenistic philosophy. The Greeks, the Greeks had kind of merged with them early on and so there was all this cool new stuff and gods and goddesses and temples. And the Jews were following this like antiquated way of life that, was, that looked just simpler and dumber. And so they were weirdos. And one, at one time, the Romans actually had the nerve to put a statue of Zeus right in the Holy of Holies in their temple. And so that was kind of the level of like, call the shots that the Romans had over the Jews. This was so disrespectful. It caused a big revolt 
But these were Jesus's people. They were like under the thumb and they had no say. They were not in charge of things. They were kind of allowed to maintain their, their way of life like to a degree, but there was always this threat of the empire, the mighty hand of the empire crashing down on them. Um, it was not a democracy. And the relative safely, safety that they experienced was only really because the heads of their religious institution had aligned themselves with the Roman state. And so I think that was even a, you know, a sad piece for, for Jesus' people, that they were that Judaism was becoming this business and, and aligned itself with wealth and power. And that's, you know, eventually how Jesus gets killed because he does not align religion with wealth and power. He was subverting that self-righteous and self-protecting tradition and hierarchy with love, personally delivered, personal love and service. And he was doing this with a lot of flexibility he was giving up his power all the time and teaching people how to do that. And that's what made him really dangerous to the whole system of hoarding power. Instead of walking around hoarding and protecting some material sense of power like the Romans were doing, he was walking around giving his power away. It was freeing. So I think that Jesus looking in on us in a Donald Trump era Jesus would say, you guys actually have a lot of power. You have a lot more power than you think you do. Even though you might feel powerless, we have a lot of power, especially when we give it away on purpose. So check out Jesus here near the, near the end of the Gospel of Luke. This is right before his death. And um, it's so funny to me that his disciples... After three years, spending three years with him, they're still arguing amongst each other about who is the greatest. And this gives me a lot of comfort because I think it's just so ingrained in us to want to be seen as awesome. We want to be recognized and affirmed. And we might never get over that, and it's okay. But Jesus tells us how to actually be awesome in this passage. Can somebody read it to us out loud? A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me at trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred one on me. <coughs> Thanks, Christy. So as they're arguing here about who is the greatest, I like how Jesus talks about the powers as, as um, people who lie and manipulate and call themselves benefactors. You can imagine, I, I feel like every politician does this. They... They say that they are actually benefiting you by their services, and maybe sometimes they are. But Jesus knows how that, you know, that's been happening since the beginning of time, and Jesus knows how that is. 
to be lied to and manipulated. And he, and he tells his disciples, that's not what I'm calling you to. You know, all of us have people in our lives that we could boss around or manipulate. Kids are really good at this too. It's just kind of ingrained in us. And I know I was a bossy older sister. But Jesus says, how about you demonstrate some real power by serving each other? Be the one who's standing up and doing the work and providing the comfort and the food or whatever is needed in the moment, the listening ear, the forgiveness. Be the giver. I was thinking about like Ashley and her crew of child care givers at the Love Feast when we, when we went long listening to these stories and, and they were just serving and loving on the kids. And then there was like, an explosion in, in a toilet and Jimmy was cleaning it up after the love feast. It was amazing. That's, I think, what Jesus is talking about. He says... <laughs> but Jesus says we're not losing something or giving something up by serving. We're gaining. I don't know what Jimmy was gaining in that moment, but I was grateful. And this is the whole, this is the whole like power, <laughs> oh man. This is the power inversion that Jesus is talking about. And he's not just talking about it here, he's demonstrating it as he speaks. Christina, <laughs> you're cracking me up. Okay. So Jesus is giving this speech as he has a towel wrapped around his waist and he's washing his, his friend's dirty feet. So he's backing it up with his action and saying, I, I'm right here, like look at me, I'm, I'm among you as one who serves. I'm serving you right now. I think the best part of this gospel is that we all have a context to, to serve in. We're creating one right now as a circle of hope. And it's so I think it doesn't matter if you have like if you live with a family or if you have a great job. Um, we're making a context right here to serve and be served by Jesus. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be a football fan on Super Bowl Sunday, but I uh, once in a while I can get into it if I hear a little story, if I do some research about the the people or the coaching, and I think. Maybe it's a stretch, but I think there's a story of service and humility with the New England Patriots in how um, I know they've been known to cheat like everybody else in the industry. But this team is also known for taking these no-name guys and just teaching them a very specific plan, controlled offense, run the same, you run the precisely the same play and you just do what you're told and you don't try to be a superstar and i think you know these some of these guys have really been willing to humble themselves to be part of something bigger and so if they win their fifth super bowl right now that's my highly educated explanation for for why they're doing it because i think i think jesus's whole thing about about um giving up power and service really does lend itself to teamwork and that's also part of what we're working on here <clears throat> as, as a circle of hope but daily prayer gave us an even better 
uh, example of power inversion than um, the rich New England patriots. I want to tell you about Sophie Scholl. She's this, she died when she was 22. Um, as a 21-year-old student in Nazi Germany, she and her brother, she started to get together with some other students. One of them was her brother. And um, she was a Jesus follower. And she started to be aware of what her country was like quietly doing. Because what the Nazis were doing was not like on the surface for a long time. And so a lot of people really didn't know it was just kind of happening. And when she started to find out, she formed this club with her brother and like three other students and they called themselves the White Rose Society and they started printing these pamphlets of information about what the Nazis were actually doing. And they distributed them wisely to educate people to nonviolent resistance, to passively resist the Nazis. And it worked and they, they, they reached a lot of people and I think they saved a lot of lives, but six months into it, Sophie, the SS caught Sophie and her brother and executed them, chopped their heads off. And um, she, she stands out as a hero to me because she wasn't just a smart humanitarian. She was that, you can read her stuff. But she was a real Jesus follower and her faith and Jesus is what made her brave. She wrote to her brother, the only remedy for a barren heart is prayer, however poor and inadequate. We must pray and pray for each other, and if you were here, I'd fold hands with you because we're poor, weak children. She says, it's only because I'm filled with fear that and nothing else, and feel an undivided yearning for him who can relieve me of it. She's talking about Jesus. And she also wrote, God, you are my refuge into eternity. I will cling to the rope God has thrown me in Christ Jesus, even when my numb hands can no longer feel it. One more, one more quote from her. I like her so much. She writes, isn't it a riddle and awe-inspiring that things can be so beautiful despite the horror. I've seen something wondrous peering through my joy in the beautiful, a sense of its creator. Only people can be truly ugly sometimes because they have free will to separate themselves from this song of praise. It often seems they will drown out this hymn with cannon thunder, curses, and blasphemy. But I have realized that they will not succeed. And so I want to throw myself on the side of the victor. And that is what she did. So I think for us, there's a lot to resist, too. But we're, we're going to do it best by realizing that we actually do have power. It's not power that has ever been given to us by the state in the first place. And so Donald Trump can't ever take it away. It's power that's been given to us by God. And I think we use it best by giving it up for others. We are most powerful when we're serving. Just like Jesus is serving us. So that's what's so special about Jesus.
that he serves and calls us to serve. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect tab at circleofhope.net.